Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Welcome back to 88.3 WGTs. After further review, here with myself, David the Man God Harris, and Frank Bastion, we'll get into some of this wild no, national championship fallout. What were your thoughts on this? As this was, uh, as you like to say, they opened up a can <laughs> on them. I, I think bait. opening up a can would be an understatement. Georgia basically threw TCU in front of an oncoming freight train, mm-hmm. and TCU got ran over, like by a reindeer, by a by a train. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I mean, because I I was actually well, I watched probably the first quarter Monday night, and I remember just texting you guys saying. And yeah, this one's going to be ugly. And I know David was saying, hell, it ain't over yet. And I'm like, David, this is a mismatch. It's a, it's over. And it pretty much was. 65-7. This, I mean, since we've had the playoff era, I don't remember a championship game being this ugly. I mean, look, I know Alabama put up a 50-burger on Ohio State in the uh, 2020 game. Mm-hmm. Hey, But this one, I mean, at least Ohio State had some guys to just play for a little bit. This one, it was, pr- it was pretty much over from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I mean, it just – and people are saying, well, what do we do – who to fix this problem that's in college football. Quite frankly, I don't think there's a solution. You don't? I mean, look, the expanding the playoff, that's not... Re- I don't think that's going to fix having the, these types of bluffs. This is just... TC was just that one... That team that was America's darling. Everybody was on thinking, oh, they, they took advantage of being a... Michigan team that kind of got cocky and made mistakes. And it was basically like that scene of the movie Glory where you get over the hill and then you got a bunch of soldiers waiting for you and you're dead. <laughs> David, what do you think? Well, first, I don't think for those that say, you know, you know, what's the solution? I don't think that there's a problem with the college football playoff. At, on the field, TCU beat Michigan, so you want everyone says, you know, you play on the field, now the record books. TCU won their game. Georgia won theirs, and so on the field, the two 
the two deserving teams who did their job at the end of the day got in the field. Now, will I say that I still stick by the game's not over until it's over? Yes. But we could see early on, especially through the second half, there was no kind of chance to come back because Georgia wanted to keep pouring it on. So for me, the key turning point of that game was that forced fumble when it was still 7-7 because that really took the momentum. Okay, you know, TCU was still in it at that point. They were still driving. Excuse me, I think it was 10-7. Um, TCU were looking, get the second possession. They kind of trade blow for blow, and you figure, okay, it's going to, like I said last week, it's going to be a close game. And, you know, anything can happen in a one-possession game. That turnover happens. It seemed like that just kind of took the air out of the TCU offense. And then defensively, they just kind of fell asleep. And you can't fall asleep against a team like Georgia. And Georgia kept pouring it on, pouring it on, and we see what happens. Do I think that this means that, oh, like a lot of people are saying, well, TCU didn't deserve to be here. They won, you know, they won the games that they needed to win to get here. All right, so did Georgia. To get into the playoffs, so did Michigan. The conversation can still be had against Ohio State, although some quote went around from the Ohio State kicker saying, you know, we deserve to be in that national championship game. Fam, first, first of all, I don't know if that's real or not, but if it was real, you can't say crap because you couldn't make you, – Kick the ball to Tallahassee, Florida. Like, you're aiming that way, so you can't say anything. You had your chance to get there, and you blew it. But, but yeah, TCU was the best team in this country. They proved it on the field, and they have the national championship to show it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, you play who you play. TCU won it outright. Unfortunately, it was a little lopsided. But I mean, that's how football goes. Would it have been more of an inner, more interesting national championship game if Michigan probably would have been there? Mm, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it would, yeah, you don't, you don't know. And I would, I think, if it would, if it was Ohio State, Michigan, yes. But just Michigan versus Georgia, it could have been Michigan's bad night as well. So. It would have, it, it wouldn't have been sixty-five-seven, but it still probably would have been a blowout because Georgia, Georgia. They they were basically one on one this year, mm-hmm. and I mean you you look at Georgia's roster. I think I I heard on the radio they had at least twenty five star players. TCU had zero. So I mean, really, people say, "Well, recruiting." Well, thing is, everybody's going to go to where you can win. Mm-hmm. That's why Bam has been so successful. That's why Georgia, I think, is going to have their run for. The next decade, hey, because you have that culture in place. Hey, so I mean, Michigan only has two five stars on their roster. Her and plus, and also you look at Georgia, the job they do of sending guys to the pros. Because I think yeah, even that, even this year, you're going to see in the first round. You'll see Jalen Carter go first round. I mean, if he if he was eligible, Brock Bowers would go first round. Hound as well, but, but is it really about having five stars all across the field, or is it about cohesion and building it up talent? Because I was I was looking at something um, 
over the week, and they were saying, you know, here's where the last 10, they're showing the last 10 high school players of the year. And you're thinking, you know, those are the top of the class. And, like, out of that group, only Derrick Henry had a long-standing successful NFL career. And the only other guy that you could really recognize that had a sip of coffee was, you know, Terrell Pryor. And I know him because, you know, of Jeanette. Like, that's local for me. Like, if you look at, like, five stars, just because you get all these five-star recruits doesn't mean that your team is automatically going to be catapulted in a national conversation, you know. Well, you're, well, da- well David, you're, you're absolutely right about that because, I mean, just because you were able to get a lot of five-star players, but you also have to be able to manage Eagles as well, signed Texas A&M. So, I mean, yeah, you, I'd rather have a bunch of three- and four-stars and have a successful team rather than a bunch of five-stars that, like you said, Texas A&M don't win Jack, you know, Jack Kraft, and they end up transferring after a year because more NIL money. But the thing, so, but you look, but look at what Kirby Smart's able to do. He's able to get those guys in, but say, "Hey, you know what? This is how things are going to be here." And he's able to, he's able to tell them, "Him, leave your egos outside. We got a job to do." Who, who on game day during the season, whatnot? There's really no, there's no, there's no divas. I mean, if you say, if they get them, then they probably tell them, "There's a door. Don't let it hit you on the ass on the way out." So I mean, I think that's why Georgia and Alabama, and even Clemson, with the two championships they won, they were able well, to sustain that. They're able to get get these guys in, but they're also able to say, "Hey, just because you're here, just because you were so good in high school, we don't give a damn. This, you're on the big stage now. How everything that you say about yourself, leave it behind." This is, this is a team environment now. Wow, you're not bigger than anybody else here. You're on the same level as some. Yeah, it doesn't. As that's the last a, walk on. And I kind of agree with that too. It doesn't really matter what you actually did in high yeah. school because there's a lot of guys that let's be, let's just face it. I understand they got the stars and everything like that, but we all know how many guys ended up being five stars they didn't they didn't pan out or how many guys were three stars and did very well how many guys were three stars and then finally a big power five comes and now they're five stars i just think that you start over and sometimes think about it some kids are just more mature than others at early age and you just can't predict it but at the end of the day yeah granted you do are getting the talent up there but it's also about how you develop the talent also the character of the kid you can get a five star kid talent wise but one star uh, character and then they never play for you so i mean those are things that you, you got to look into i just think it's d- depending on how the culture is of the program uh the development of the kids G- granted you need some ep- ep- upper echelon talent but a lot of times I don't look at that high school because a year after that, it doesn't really matter. Not to mention nowadays, too, David, this is happening in basketball. It's happening in football. With the transfer portal, you're pretty much getting a, a already made superstar already. So what does high school yeah. really mean now in the transfer portal era? Well, it's funny you bring up the transfer portal because there was this, oh, this is going to balance things out. Well, the thing is, it's kind of, I think for now it's kind of just exacerbated the problem because well, it's a free agent. Look at look at, because Georgia's good just got in two All SEC wide receivers, uh, Rara Davis from Mississippi State and uh, Numbnuts from Missouri. I forget his name. They've got them in for next year. They're probably going to be their top two who wide receivers next year. Mm-hmm. 
And that's probably the reason why they might pull off a Pat Riley three-peat. It's, um, well, we'll see what ha- we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, guys are going to transfer to winners. I mean, look what Alabama's been able to do. I mean, they got, they got um, Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. He came there and made an impact. I mean, even you go back to when they got Jamison Williams from Ohio State, he was the top guy there, and there now he's, even though he got hurt in the championship game when they played Georgia last year, here he's now with his with my Detroit Lions, and hopefully he can finally do something once he's fully healthy. So, I mean, it's really not – it's the, the transfer portal at NIL, it hasn't – created balance yet. Who said well. that, though? Well, I just remember hearing Rico Beard say it, that it was going to balance things out, and of course it hasn't, but who knows? But well, first th- of all, like that, that wasn't true from the beginning. We all knew that players were going to transfer if they had a potential to a bigger team, or in some cases it's for talent, or in some cases, like, like with Mississippi State, for coaches. Like, Kind of with the sad, unfortunate passing of Mike Leach, like who's going to want to, like people wanted to play for the Pirates. And so, like that, that makes sense. Like transferring from Missouri to Alabama or Georgia, that makes sense because you can be, you know, like I said last week, would you rather be a big fish in a small pond or would you rather be a small, medium fish in a big pond where you have the chance for not just NIL time, but you're going to a school that's going to, one, win, and two, you're going to have a lot more playing time, which means a lot more chance for people to see you. And since it already came out, you're playing a soft bleep schedule, <laughs> so you're definitely going to get playing time because you're going to pour on 40, 50 a game. So there's a variety of factors, I think, that comes in. But, yeah, anyone that thinks that the transfer portal meant that there was going to be a competitive balance, like no one is transferring – unless it's for family reasons, from a Power 5 school to a group of five. Like, no one's coming, let's just say, from Alabama to Ball State. Like, no. that's not happening. Yeah, that, I mean, that, David, well, truthfully, Ely that's a ludicrous it. example. I mean, but you see that. Didn't well, Philip Ely do it? He went from Alabama to Toledo? Well, I mean, I think Philip Ely was the exception, not the rule. Mm. But, I mean, you're seeing guys who... Not, are not able to crack the lineup at the Alabamas and Georgias. Maybe they go to other Power Five schools. Well, you have that there as well. But I think really, I mean, I've even heard this too. The only way to really, quote unquote, regulate this, college football has to have a commissioner. And it's people say, well, the NCAA can do it. <clears throat> the NCAA is a bunch of feckless losers. They only care. They only care. They only care about how bringing in the money, and they're like, you know what? Let it just be the Wild West. What about this guy, Indiana quarterback Connor Bazelak? Started nine games with the Hoosiers last year, threw for over two thousand yards. He started his career at Mizzou, was the SEC co freshman of the year. He was a four star QB coming out of high school. Does that kind of go hand in hand? Yeah, I mean, it's going from one Power 5 to another Power 5, even though... Uh, and now he's that going to be at, at that school down south. Oh, he's... Yeah, but, oh. But is, that, is that competitive balance, though? Like, it's it's so not. It's been, to me, that's... 
Okay, I'm here. Oh, well, I'm not, I don't like it, so I'm going to go here. Oh, wait, uh, this is happening. Goodbye. I'm going somewhere else. I mean, there, there are, there are some out there who abuse the transfer portal. They're thinking, okay, instead of saying, you know what? Uh, I got a chance here. I'm going to stick it out. I like it here. They're like, oh, okay. I'm not getting play time. Oh, I'm going here. Oh, now I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> here. And then by the, then you're basically, you're basically being, you're being passed around like like some dollar bill. Do you think so? Maybe it's a whole bunch of reasons why people transfer. No, I'm not. I mean, look, I understand there's legitimate reasons, but it seems like there's other there's that'll go one school one year, then the next year then another school, then they go to another school after that. They're just basically they're cha- they're basically changing schools like most people change their bed sheets. I but, guess you but like, like, like as Eric is saying, there's like there's two big things. It's either you're transferring for football reasons, well, really three football reasons because of playing time, and you think that there's a better chance for you to play. So that's where a guy like Philip Lee will come into place. Or um, there's personal reasons, family reasons, which that automatically, if you need to transfer home for family, I'm, I'll be the first one to help you transfer. But now with the NIL and kind of this free agent, you know, wild rest that we have here. Now it's basically for image and branding. Like, where can I go that I can either get eyes on me for the next level because I think I'm ready to go? So that's for upperclassmen that are, you know, day, mid-day three. There are people in the air like, hey, if you transfer, you can be a day two guy. Or you're one of these, you know, first, second years that are like, eh, this is not good for my brand. Let me go somewhere where I can get the lights back on me and people can start talking about me instead of riding the bench. Like, those are all different reasons for, for at least for me, that are legitimate transfers. And it seems like the third one that's more, you know, kid-heavy, that's being influenced by NIL and the transfer portal and, hey, if you come here, I can guarantee you such and such playing time and such and such NIL profit market. So I come back like with all that and then to that original point that Frank you mentioned a little bit competitive balance. There is, transfer portal is only to help the big teams get bigger. Both financially because they have the NIL money to pay as now it's just on and open, and they have the ability to say, hey, you're at one of the premier institutions, Power Five in the nation. Where else can you go and be guaranteed this play, this X amount of playing time, this X amount of money? And so a 17-, 18-year-old kid is going to look at that and say, hey, I'm good. My family is set up for for a little while until I get to the league, and then I can make even more money. So that's all, that's all going into the mind of a 17, 18-year-old as they think about what's next. So, yes, transfer, maybe it makes more sense playing time-wise for kids to go from Missouri to Indiana to Bowling Green just like it does for a recruit to say, hey, I'm going to go to Notre Dame, verbally commit, and then, oh, wait, no, I'm going to go to Oregon. No, I'm going to go to Oklahoma on National Signing Day. It's the exact same thing. Like, there's just different avenues of the same beast. 
<clears throat> but here, here's another, here's something else for you. I mean, kind of shifting gears a little bit. Of all the uh, FBS stat leaders this season, how many of them played for Georgia? Think about this, David. How many of the FBS stat leaders played for Georgia? We're talking pass yards, rush yards, receiving yards, forced fumbles, sacks, field goals made, kick return average, pass TDs, rush TDs, receiving TDs, total tackles, interceptions, punt average, punt return average. I mean, there's like 65 different stat leaders, so I'm just going to say like 10 to 15. Well, the ones I listed, zero. Well, because I, I knew the passing leaders, because Sam Hartman, I think, is... Well, actually, the leader in passing yards was uh, Austin Reed from Western Kentucky. Well, makes sense, because they were pass-happy offense. Well, yeah, they, I don't That's- know. Touchdowns was Caleb Williams. Uh, rushing touchdowns was uh, Mo Ibrahim and Israel Abracadabra, the dude from Pitt. I don't know. I can't pronounce his name to save my life. And then, let's see, Nathaniel Dell, country's leading receiver in touchdowns and yards. All right, so I think I think it just shows that George says, you know what, we're not looking to lead the – we're not looking for any individual guy to lead the country. We're here to just do one thing and one thing only, win it all. Individual whole accomplishments don't need squat. Well, yeah, because if you look at – like, if you look at some of those programs, if you look at, um, say, Western Kentucky, they're past happy. You're, if you're not throwing for 5,000 yards, they'll just bring someone in who can. Rushing-wise, if you, I think um, Ibrahim was at Minnesota, I believe. Yes. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. So, so yeah, if you think about P.J. Flack, run, you know, he likes you know, Big Ten, their run-heavy offense, Pitt. Run heavy, even though, you know, even though we throw the ball a lot, Pitt run first, uh, and so there are a lot of opportunities for Israel to kind of get those yards. Like so, like those are programs. Like Georgia doesn't need a fifteen hundred yard rusher because they have two guys that can run for eight hundred. They don't need a passer that throws for five thousand yards. One because you know Stetson Bennett's forty five years old. He, his arm is only going to throw so much longer. Well, like, Stetson Bennett, for the record, threw for just over forty one hundred. But like like he like he didn't need to throw that much, like he wasn't required to throw as much as some other program. Receivers, if of everyone is feasting, why does it matter if some guy gets twelve or thirteen when we can each get six or seven and we're all good? Well, here so. here's the thing, thing. Georgia, their leading rusher, they had three guys who were over five hundred yards: Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, and Kendall Milton. All were over 500 yards rushing, and and they all combined for her, her, uh, 25 touchdowns between them. Two minutes. And then receivers, obviously Brock Bowers had the most yards, and he tied for the touchdown lead with Ladd McConkie, seven apiece. He's in, I think, no, and he only had, and Bowers only had 63 catches. So the thing is, he kept, it's basically... It just showed how much of a team environment Georgia had, and that's really why I think they're probably going to end up running it back next year. And they've become this decade's version of what Alabama was in the previous decade. 
Well, again, also because they have a soft police schedule. So <laughs> yes, I, 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 I'm with you there, David. That their their well, schedule I mean, is. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I think calling it a cupcake schedule is an offense to cupcakes because they play. They're supposed to play Oklahoma this year, but that got canceled for whatever yeah, stupid reason. Playing Ball State, so essentially, if you look at their schedule, they have, and I tweet. I think I tweeted about this. They have three true road games. At Auburn is one for sure, I know. I think, like I know for two, one is Auburn and then one is at, in, at Tennessee, so at Knoxville. But that's, you know, second to last game of the season, if I remember correctly. And then there's one super early. Other than, they so, are, and they, let's yeah. see, they're at Auburn, at Vanderbilt. There we go. At Tennessee, and then they're also, they're also so at Georgia Tech. Florida, they play. Florida, they play in Jacksonville. Yeah, so two true like difficult road games and a neutral side against Florida. Like those are your three toughest games on your schedule. Like, they're not. They're not conference slate is a bucket of vomit. You got Tennessee Martin to open the season, and Ball State. Hey, UAB. And then obviously end the season clean, old-fashioned hate against the rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. Although, to be fair, I wouldn't overlook Ball State because they overlooked Akron and they gave them a little scare at the beginning of the season. So maybe they'll be Kent State a little bit. Or excuse me, Kent State. Yeah. Well, I think also, oh, there were times where Georgia said, you know what, it's a business trip. We're we're not going to try and – we're not going to rub your nose in it. We're just going to do enough to win and get the hell out of here. Well, well technically, a business trip would mean that they would actually travel. I kind of joked and said, they, "It was well, okay." Cool. How about this? A business-like approach. Yeah. There. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in my teasing, I was saying Georgia's, you know, with this soft schedule, turning into Ohio State. Like they don't want to travel anywhere away from home because they don't want to risk losing it and screwing up their national championship chances. But, but yeah, Georgia's in a prime spot to one. Open, I'm sure that they're going to open as a preseason number one. But two, they're going to run the gauntlet until they get to that SEC championship game, where more than likely they're probably going to face Alabama. So, Georgia, Alabama, yet again. Yeah, and they probably could very well end up meeting in the playoff too, because. I don't think I don't think Alabama's schedule is anything special either. I'd have to pull it up, up real quick. Um, if I can find hey it, guys, let's just wrap it up. But you know, that, we'll save that. We'll save that for another time. Yes. Well, what we're gonna do is let's. Uh, that was great. What do you want next? You want? <clears throat> what do you guys want to get into next? The in the um. Winners and losers or the wild card weekend? I say we hit winners and losers before wild card weekend. All right. All right. So we'll take a quick commercial break. Listen to 88.3 WTs. After further review, make sure you listen to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. College football playoff, disaster, and it was such a disaster you start talking about the transfer portal. That's how bad uninteresting the game was. Going yeah. up next, Dave, the man got Harris's college and NFL football winners and losers. And we have the update on the NFL Pick up. Regular season finale. That and more here on 88.3 WHDs after further review.